Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather. Political discussion from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Uh, oh, take uh, a drink. That's Hello. Very professional. Well yeah. <laughs> I'm I we had to talk about news and politics, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know. Uh yeah. How you doing? You alright? Um, I'm alright. Um managed to get Grand Blue working, so that's good. That's good. Yeah, playing me some fighter. Um watched the colour out of space. Oh, on yes. the weekend That's with the, the boys, the not sequel, but the next. Well, film it's from the people who made Bandy. No producers. Oh, um, producers are. It's um, it's a Lovecraft adaptation uh-huh. with Nicolas Cage, and I was all excited with the tag I mean, with the tagline of Nicolas Cage turned up to eleven. I was very excited. It's nice to be reminded that Nicolas Cage can't act um, because he really could not. He occasionally went Trump, like Trump played it Trump. It's weird. Wow. It's weird. If you watch it, pay attention to when he starts sounding like Trump out of nowhere. Um, Lovecraft adaptations don't really work apart from Reanimator. Um, and it was written and directed by Richard Stanley and is as good as you'd imagine the man who directed a load of Fields of the Nephilim music videos. Hell yeah. It's shit. It's shit. <laughs> it's shit. There's a lot of the colour purple. Um, it's not a very good film. I was very disappointed with it. It's no Mandy. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Review. Yeah, that's, that's my 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 pocket review of that film. I was very disappointed, and I should have just rewatched Mandy. <laughs> Dulwich Trump. Yeah. Dunwich Trump. Sorry. Yeah. He's made. Oh yeah, this is the third first in his trilogy of Lovecraft films. He is doing Dunwich. Oh, he's doing. He's doing like into the mouth, uh, mountains of madness or. Whatever. Um, I don't know if he's doing mountains of madness. I think he's doing Dunwich, and I think he might be doing Innsmouth. Although are they the same? I don't. I can't remember. I, I find it hard to keep track of all that racist ramblings. <laughs> But yeah, that's what I did on the weekend. Speaking of racist ramblings, yeah. <laughs> uh, did Trevor you Phillips. notice Trevor Phillips got ejected from the Labour Party? And for I his principled stand against anti-Semitism. Genuinely did not know that uh, he was a, still a member of the Labour Party. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, I mean, I know he was like, he was definitely pushed by New Labour and kind of gets away with, I mean, doesn't get away with the fact that he took a strong kind of culture war uh, uh, like an Islamophobic turn like, yeah. took, took a definite like, right wing turn as regards race because um, he was a, the I don't, ben, know, he was a the I don't know what he was like before well, he was the bet noir of the telegraph because they were like oh the political correctness it, gone well, bad well he spoke at the free speech union thing yeah and, and he's been like that for about 10 years and he went very new labour authoritarian and I think maybe sometimes gets away with the like people like John Reed and, uh, mm. and uh, what's his face um David Blunkett, mm-hmm. um, they're the ones you know who everyone pins as the, the authoritarian ones of, of New Labour, and yeah, we kind of forget about the racial element of that. Yeah, he's yeah, that leaflet was racist. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, he was on LBC with Nick Ferrari, so he's under investigation. He's suspended. He's not been ejected. He's, he's yeah. suspended from the Labour. And party, like everyone right? who was suspended from the Labour Party for suspected racism, um, he had a nice um, slow ball interview with Nick Ferrari. <laughs> where Nick Ferrari agreed with him that Islam isn't a race. <laughs> and so they talked about that for a bit, and then they talked about how it's because of um, anti-Semitism and trying to deflect. Um, oh, yeah, because... Because that's what he just... The EHRC is producing the report, and yeah. he hasn't headed the EHRC for like 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't make it in there now. No. Like, he has absolutely no concept of um, racial justice and... and no. 
not saying Muslims are a nation within a nation. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, it was a race. It was like it, it was like the Sarah Champion stuff, isn't it? It's worse. I yeah, think yeah. it's worse than the, the, the because like yeah, that was because he wasn't even paid to write this racist leaflet. Because on the surface, he was he defends like his oh, I'm just drawing attention to uh, Muslim grooming gangs, mm-hmm. but actually, it's saying things like Muslims are not like us. Muslims see the world differently from the rest of us. British Muslims are becoming a nation within a nation. I thought Europe's Muslims would have gradually blend into the landscape. I should have known better. And then quoting anecdotes about Muslims not wearing poppies, but Eastern Europeans and Africans wearing poppies. Not even really giving credence to the fact that they could have been Muslims. Yeah. Like, you don't know. You literally... No, they, no, they do. <laughs> Muslims all look the same. They're yeah. the same people. And you know he's using he's he's playing the hand he's playing the 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 handbook like the textbook mm-hmm. approach to this yeah. which is arrested for having an opinion yeah um, and it's not and I'm saying and that, he you know, was arrested stifles, stifles free speech yeah oh yeah um, yeah which it's nice to see all the media rallying around and treating him the way all the people accused of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party were treated. Oh, no, that's right. They were all going like, oh, no, it's disgusting what they're doing to him. I can't believe the Labour Party has done such a horrible misstep. It's not very... How are they going to win back their Labour heartlands when they kick out Trevor Phillips? Go round knocking on doors in the Red Wall. I actually still remember Trevor Phillips as... Bullshit. I I No, as the scion of, like, political correctness gone mad. Bollocks. Because that's what he was. Bollocks. Your average person does not. Oh, yeah, I sure. had forgotten about him literally until he got, kicked, he got um, suspended. Yeah. I'd completely forgotten about him. And I spend too much of my time reading about this shit. Now, if you knock on your average voter's door <laughs> and say, oh, yeah, you can't vote for the Labour Party, why not? Well, they kicked out Trevor Phillips because he's a racist. Oh, no. I'm definitely not voting for Labour now. Do you know what I mean? It's like that fucking... Not Trevor... No! Yeah, and then Lisa Nandy saying, oh, no, it's not for me to say whether it's... I can't say whether he's, whether that's Islamophobic or not. It's I'm like, going to start saying, rather than... Because, like, the thing is, I think we've long given up hope on Islamophobia and anti-Semitism having a kind of similar structure to judging whether um, remarks or mm-hmm. racisms are, mm-hmm. um, like, universally... Like, judgeable to the same criteria. I think you should just start saying, hmm... When somebody like says something Islamophobic or something, you say, mm, "Not very ten definitions, is it?" <laughs> <laughs> kind of treating them as if they're not any other country, eh? <laughs> it's oh god, it's tiring. He literally says they deserve to be judged collectively. Well, He's rally- his thing over the past few years has been um, uh, rallying against the definition of um, like Muslim. Yeah, that makes it not a race. That makes it like joining a football club. He literally compared it to joining a football club because you can judge people who all choose the same hobby. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not like joking there. That is the frame of reference. That is the framework he's using in order to say that Muslims are pedophiles. They're no different to like if you walk into a games workshop and see all those people there. There was a so there was a title there was an article He's a horrible Charles person. Moore in the Telegraph does an article oh no shit the unpersoning of Trevor Phillips proves that Labour has learned nothing from its recent mistakes unpersoning he's been suspended he hasn't even been chucked out of the Labour Party he's been suspended from a voluntary organisation that he pays for who cares yeah. But, uh, of course, we know why they care. We yeah. know why this double standard exists. It is a fool's errand now, apparently, mm-hmm. to link Islamophobia and anti-Semitism as 
coming stemming from the same kind of uh, mm-hmm. bigotry and racial hatreds. Um, the other thing was to... Did you see also, it's um, yeah. like different, the, the Islamophobia thing. Um, Melanie Phillips was on BBC this week. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure, about, sure, why not? Um, talking about anti-Semitism and how, like, even if they, um, like, Keir Starmer will try and get rid of the anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, but he'll fail. But it's also a problem on the entire progressive left. All progressivism what? is anti-Semitic because of Israel. And shit like that. She just did basically. Why are the BBC having that woman? On? Why oh, because, she, because she's in the Rolodex. Yeah. At this point, she's in. The, yeah. At this point, she's in the Rolodex. She's like, a fucking monster. Yeah, of course she is. But of course, it's like whether you are invited or not, um, and she's she's ridden that line. Maybe in spite of she doesn't her, ride the maybe, fucking line. She maybe, was mentioned in that. No, no. But do you know what I mean? Like I'm talking about in the way that like a Katie Hopkins. Mm-hmm doesn't know how to ride the line where she keeps getting invited back. And Melanie Phillips, in spite of everything she's done, yeah. apparently has. Didn't she... Cri- I'm sure I saw something that she criticised the Board of Deputies for not being Jewish. <laughs> for like for is, being anti-Semitic. Is, right. She is Jewish. Is Melanie Phillips Jewish? Yeah. She is, okay. Um, she's also just mad and racist. Yeah, oh, she's hugely... It's um, that thing of, was it Robert Llewellyn said, you know, the, the Crichton... Crichton from Meddorf, yes. Yeah, because yeah. he was, he's, I think he still describes himself as an anarchist. But when he was like hanging around squats in the olden days, mm. and that's when he first met her when she was an anarchist, and he thought that she was like completely barking then and just looking for anything to shout about. Yeah, she was definitely one of those um, uh, conservatives, like scared straight from liberalism or whatever. Yeah. The David Horowitz, the that that kind of um, mm-hmm. that kind of one, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. But I just hate yeah. seeing her on TV. And it's just it, it the lionization of Terry to Trevor Phillips yeah. as the as a as a paragon of, of free Anti-racism. speech unacceptably treated by being chucked out of a club he doesn't really appear to want to be a member of. Mm-hmm. Um contrasted at the same time as some fucking I mean I'm assuming Fash uh takes a video of Diane Abbott on a tube tube platform. Shouting at her about maths. It's worse. It's worse than that because actually, do you know what? He very well might be like full blown racist, fascist, like member of National Action, all of that stuff. Collection of you know his, you know, I just like the way the uniforms look back at home. Um, to be fair, he could have been most most liberals I see on Twitter. Yeah, he could. He... I looked up, so I I saw it on on my Twitter feed. Yeah, and it's 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 actually like pretty pretty shaking considering. We're like what a year out from the army taking pot, sh- like the uh, an armed mm. regiment taking pot shots at Jeremy Corbyn's picture of somebody actually getting convicted for planning to assassinate Corbyn and other like left wing figures, yeah. and you know that thing in the mosque where someone uh, chucked an egg, hit him with an egg, yeah, um, and it's just like this scared woman on mm. a platform as this fucking dickhead is yelling at her. And the look on her face, there was something about because mm-hmm. you only get the look of her face like she just for a bit because she looks shot a little shocked at first, mm-hmm. and then she looks at it and and like there's that flicker in her eyes when she realizes it's not someone who's gonna fucking hit her mm. or it's... is coming to attack her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I, she's brave. How as fuck. the fuck is Diane Abbott still taking the tube? Uh, brave. Fucking like it's it just it just makes me think of like 
oh, these brave free speech warriors who need to huddle together in a union because they got taken their column away. Well, like Diane Abbott's out there, you know, waiting for someone to literally no platform her while mm-hmm. she's on a tube and chuck her under a fucking train. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. Like, it's just... it's And I Google searched for the video. I was like, I remember the video, but I can't find the mm-hmm. specific tweet where it was. Um, looked in Google, uh, looked on news websites, nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all we hear about is, like, Luciana Berger being hounded out of yeah, like, her constituency in a vote. Mm-hmm. A vote. Yeah. No, that's... It's, it's A political debate and a vote. It's revolting, the... It's just it's the just, amount of abuse she gets, the amount of sucks, the man. the some the constant stuff about how nasty we are, when it wasn't anyone other than left wingers who were attacked in that last election. Yeah, I mean, if if there was like I'm I'm just I'm done with, I I don't read that stuff anymore. I'm not reading that stuff, um, as a as a habit as I I may have once done. Like yeah, I might be out of out of date on what fucking, Brimley Sparks thinks. <laughs> about Trevor Phillips being drummed out of the Labour Party, but I really don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Because if there was any justice, these people would be seen as these effete fops rather than these brave, muscular liberals. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Fine, fine. Nine, five, four, one, zero, eight. Three, one, nine, eight, nine, five, three. Brexit, oh Brexit, we're on our own, we're on our own. Okay, so we did coronavirus last week. Uh, we've talked about the Labour leadership. Actually, we never released the one about the Labour leadership candidates, did we? No. No, that was it. Did we release anybody about coronavirus? We did coronavirus last week. Uh, we did the Conservatives did last week. Um, so all of politics is is pretty wrapped up, I think. Yeah. Um, we've really got nothing else to talk about. If only there was, there's something else that's happened, supposed to be happening right now that I can't quite, shit, we forgot. We forgot about Brexit. The cursed word. <laughs> well, no, the most important thing is about... It's still going on. Did, have, have you, what have you heard about it? Um, Other than the fact Boris that it's happened black and is happening. <laughs> that's more important. Oh. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, there's fuck all now about Brexit because it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's done. It's finished. Why? Why would you talk about Brexit? I don't care about Brexit. No one cares about Brexit. We've Brexited. We're safe from coronavirus because we left Europe. So neat. Italy has it. We have Brexited. Therefore, how would it get here, Adam? That I didn't see that as part of the, any kind of withdrawal agreement that we take on their diseases. So now that Brexit is done and we don't have to talk about Brexit anymore, mm. let's talk about Brexit. No, we don't have to talk about it. Let's just talk about it for fun. Let's just shoot the shit. <laughs> Let's just like just okay. Put, put your... my ass up on the um, on the pool table at the youth club. <laughs> the last one that hasn't been shut down. Hey kids, let's rap about Brexit. Hold on, your chair is not backwards. <laughs> Neither is your hat. Turn my kangle hat. <laughs> uh, yeah. So now we don't have to talk about Brexit. Let's talk about Brexit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go on then. Okay. So yeah, where are we at the moment? Are we talking about the let's withdrawal re- agreement? Let's no. Let's remind ourselves. Okay, it's all right. I got it. Let's remind ourselves. Just, just so we're previously on. Previously on. <laughs> um, I've never seen a disease multiply this fast. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him not to start the car. Um, 
We are currently in the transition period. Mm -hmm. This will last until the 31st of December. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be extended once, but Boris and the Conservatives have been very clear, it will never be extended. It will absolutely not. Uh, the transition period will be ending on the 31st of December. The transition period extension button is like, it's hidden under, it's like it's like a big red button yeah. in the Prime Minister's office. It's got a little plastic thing that clips over the top of it and there's a key. And Boris Johnson took that key and swallowed that key. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think you understand. It's really big key. It ain't coming out. <laughs> It'll have to be cut out of him. <laughs> Like that plan for like the uh, the nuclear weapons uh, codes that oh, well, you have to you'd have a, you'd have the codes but you have to hide it in one of the president's like secret service men and he has to cut it out of him if he wants to use them yeah that's what they've done um, so currently the UK is no longer a member state of the EU EU law still applicable EU agencies st still hold all their powers UK still pays in yada 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 uh, common fisheries policy common agricultural policy. Um, Court of Justice, all still in place. It's good that um, we, don't we don't have MEPs. Yeah, there we don't anymore. send any MEPs. Um, we freeze up Nigel Farage to talk about coronavirus on on, um, on Figgy. <laughs> oh fuck, I forgot what it's called. Jesus. On LBC. No, it was no, it was on the BBC. On um. Oh, cool. Um, Figgy, the late night one that's horrible. They're all horrible. Newsnight. Newsnight. That's the one. <laughs> I couldn't do my brain. It's just. Full of coronavirus. <laughs> so full of coronavirus, you've forgotten the mainstream media. Yes. That's the first sign. <laughs> the first sign of coronavirus is lack of respect for mainstream media. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, it's good that he's got more time now to be on, yeah. be on things like that. So we've got none of that. We're all in a transition period. Negotiations mm -hmm. are supposed to be happening. Mm -hmm. The aim of these negotiations is to produce what's called a CFTA, a Common Free Trade Agreement. Mm -hmm. Core core free trade agreement okay um and over the past couple of weeks um the british government and the eu have both put out documents saying what they hope to get out of the negotiations right and here's the whole thing <laughs> section one though um i had a look at it yeah. and i spent i was like i'm gonna pay attention to this i'm gonna read some brexit stuff and i gave it Okay, if I said I gave it five minutes, that would be lying. I gave it probably under a minute before I stopped reading it and went on to reading Naruto. <laughs> because that's right, I'm up to date with One Piece, so now I'm on to another really long one. You ever read, um, if you've ever been for like a job interview at like a proper place that has like a corporate culture or whatever, no. and they make you read a load of stuff? No. You'll recognise like, the language for I've this. read through terms and agreements for like games. <laughs> um... No, because that's important. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so there are these two official guidelines mm -hmm. to negotiations. Um, the UK's one is called the Future Relationship with the EU. And the EU has produced a Directives for the Negotiation of a New Partnership with the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. The direction of the talks were originally set out in the October Political Declaration, which was basically like a, a short document oh. that they put out. Um, saying that the period of the United Kingdom's membership of the Union has resulted in a high level of integration and an interwoven past and future of the Union and the UK. The future relationship will inevitably need to take account of this unique context. So, like, a little more conciliatory. Mm -hmm. The future relationship with the EU, the UK's one, um, is a little harder, right? This is what the, uh, the intro says. 
On 31st December 2020, at the end of the transition period provided for in the October Agreement, the UK will fully recover its economic and political independence. The UK will no longer be a part of the EU single market or the EU customs union. Important that, because mm-hmm. that's a hard Brexit. That's a full separation mm-hmm. between those, uh, away from those two things. Whatever happens, the government will not negotiate any arrangement in which the UK does not have control of its own laws and political life. That means we will not agree to any obligations for our laws to be aligned with the EU's or for the EU institutions, including the Court of Justice, to have any jurisdiction in the UK. It continues to talk about the like all 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 this entire document just talks about the agreement. It goes through a load of different areas: air travel, fisheries, agriculture, standards, regulations, all that kind of hmm. stuff. Doesn't really tell you a whole lot, but like there's certain bits of language that you can you can glean certain like attitudes. You can tell where they're going with it, right? Yeah. So. Um, as the October Declaration makes clear, a comprehensive free trade agreement should be at its core. This agreement should be on the lines of the free trade agreements already agreed by the EU in recent years with Canada and other friendly countries. Like virtually every section, I'm not going to go through, obviously I'm not going to go through the whole thing, it would be mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is basically the most common phrase that they use in the whole thing. It's like something like, as with the EU-Japan agreement, as with the EU-Canada agreement. Um so, like, a sample sentence would be, the agreement should also build on recent precedents, such as the EU-Japan EPA and international best practice. This should lock in regulatory certainty while preserving the UK's regulatory autonomy. Essentially, we all get to decide, there'll be a British person deciding it, but things will basically stay the same. Mm-hmm. Which is um, a, a weird thing. And I think, like, a lot of the attitude in this, in this thing really does seem like, oh no, nothing's going to change you're not going to get any particular powers returned because the powers are going to be subsumed under globalization. It's just we're going to decide to do it rather than pretend that we were forced into it by a European Union court. Which is a weird one because that's been like the main go-to for both parties for our lives. I, 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 to be honest... I think they understand exactly what Brexit is. I think mm. they understand exactly what Eurosceptic opinion is and how it's going to work after all this. Like The proper free marketers have never been mad about what the EU did. They've been mad at a certain level of identity politics about who was doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, It's simplistic and easy to make fun of, but yeah, that Brexit mania really was who was doing things and the, the look of it the yeah. aesthetic of it, rather than any particular disagreement over the direction of the EU. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, there's stuff about sovereignty, but like globalization destroys sovereignty as well, mm-hmm. and that's all in this agreement. It's yeah. all about referring to international precedent. There yeah. are already rules in place for this. We yeah. don't need the EU rule. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, for its part, the um, the EU uses this kind of language a lot, right? The envisaged partnership should ensure that the... Com- this is from the EU's like yeah, statement yeah. thing. Uh, the envisaged partnership should ensure that the common level of environmental protection, labour standards provided by laws, regulations and practices is not reduced below the level provided by the common standards applicable within the Union and the UK. So, like, the EU's attitude is it should be the same. And they're not worried about environmental standards and legal sta- and, and labour standards because they actually care about these things. They're worried about a hyper-competitive UK 
just off the shore of, of the EU, yeah. potentially if they have like a trade agreement providing an avenue for like US US practices to enter the EU. Yeah. And that's something that they don't want because that's US economic imperialism. That's yeah. how that has always worked. You become dependent on those yeah. on those um those those material flows, those capital flows. No one wants any of those shitty American cars. Well, I mean, yeah, ultimately. Yeah. yeah. So the the other element of of them of them talking about like this free trade agreement, they say it should be supplemented by a range of other international agreements covering principally fisheries, law enforcement, and judicial corporations in criminal matters, transport, and energy. I These really are... hate fish bollocks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I hate it so much. You can tell what they're doing with this as well. Um, they're going to use it as their big headline. There's two things that they're going to use as their as their big headline. So like. The fisheries policy uh, that they they go into it in like an appendix later on. Mm. They want to negotiate every year. Do you remember in twenty fifteen or so, Cameron going like that, making making that big fuss about Cameron going to the EU for a better deal? And if he didn't get the better deal, he would would simply have to do a referendum. Yeah, yeah, right. And he came back and he got a slightly better deal, but still did the referendum. Yeah, I think that was how how it turned out. Um. That's that's what that's going to happen forever now. But about fish. It's never it's never going to end. There's always going to be an EU scapegoat. There's always going to be exactly the same argument that the EU has fucked uh Grimsby over over fishing quotas or some shit. <laughs> it's going it's never going to end. When was the last time you sat down and enjoyed a fish supper? Uh, I almost got some fish and chips last week. Actually, important word there. It's an important word there. No, I am definitely going to get some this week. I think, <laughs> really am. Oh, actually, I had prawns. I had prawns the other day. There we go. You see what I mean, though. Boom. <laughs> some French or Spanish fishermen taking them out of the mouths of my babes. <laughs> see, look. The problem is those people in Europe. They take all our cod row. <laughs> They use similar of that that they kind of hint towards the fact that there's going to be annual negotiations on a couple of areas: fisheries, mm-hmm. energy, <laughs> uh, immigration. Oh fuck off! <laughs> and like cross-border um, cooperation schemes. Yeah, every year. Every fucking what, year. Like cross-border, like cross-border intelligence and policing stuff. Uh, yeah, that too. That they're going to negotiate every single every single aspect of it. So get used to it. I mean, we actually don't get used to it because you're never going to hear about any. Do of you it. remember during the election and the, um, Jeremy Corbyn? Like before, there was the idea of the second referendum. There was like there's a deal that the Labour Party had. Um, that the, remember because remember when they went over and they negotiated a deal with um, what would be like the Labour Party deal with the EU. It's like a shadow deal almost. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Because it's a smart thing to do when you live in a country. When you know you're debating with a country that has elections seemingly at fucking random. Yes. Then you know you need to have a thing in place in case Theresa May disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, and like, basically we could have had that by now. Mm-hmm. But yep. now we get to negotiate how many prawns we get forever. Yep. But I'm v. Damn it! This fisheries policy's really backfired on you specifically. Oh, um, the other thing that they're <laughs> the other thing they're really really keen on um, emphasising because they do it 
every time. Mm-hmm. Um, any notion of adjudication, any notion of arbitration comes up. This is an ag- this is an agreement. They are going to set up a disputes panel mm-hmm. um, that the EU would kind of like to ref- like if they they um, can't agree, they would like to refer to the court of e- of uh, uh, the, the court of justice yeah. of the EU. Understandably, the British. Who do the uh, British want to go to? No, they. One thing is fucking clear from yeah. everything in that document. They say it about five or six times. All these agreements should have their own appropriate and precedented governance arrangements with no role for the Court of Justice. They say it in the introduction and they say it whenever there's the notion of there being a uh, an adjudicate like this, this disputes panel, that they absolutely do not want the Court of Justice involved in any way. Now that's not just like a... Um, Again, that's more Brexit mindset shit because yeah. they have to come out of this and sell it to their yeah. Eurosceptic right. Yeah. And if anything touches that, if anything of the, mm-hmm. the Court of Justice touches that, they will call Boris a traitor yeah. and will be back into Theresa May territory. Just imagining what they're going what, to, what's they're going to be, their suggestion instead is like, okay, you've got your European Court of, of, um, your European court of Justice. Now, do you know that the Isle of Jersey is ruled by a council of elders? These are now some really wise men. Their fingers on the button. <laughs> are we going to refer it to the uh, Parliament of Manx? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, what else are they going to fucking say? Because it's like, they're going to look for like an independent country that doesn't care. <laughs> that has no interest in, in, in relationships between Britain and the EU. Because <laughs> um, who is that? The interesting thing, this uh, this this disputes panel, which the like British government are fine with, that's what they want. Mm-hmm. They just don't want it to be referred to the, the yeah. Court of Justice. Um, there are, I think, four areas that they specifically say we do not want this adjudicated by the disputes panel. Mm-hmm. And these were the things that got pushed out of the le- like in the original withdrawal agreement, got pushed out of the legally binding bit and mm-hmm. into the let's let's chat about it later informally. Yeah. Uh, labour rights, environmental protections, tax and competition policy, like basically mergers yeah. and things like that. So it's like, that means that if the UK and EU disagree, this binding arbitration process, these four things, will, like, I can't really... If you're a socialist, I don't think you really need explaining to you why a capitalist hard-right government might not want constraints on labour rights, environmental regulations, taxes and competition law. Yeah. You know... I don't think you really need to use your imagination all that much. Um, yeah, uh, the end of the original introduction to the British government's position is the government will work hard to agree arrangements on these lines. However, if it is not possible to negotiate a satisfactory outcome, then the trading relationship with the EU will rest on the 2019 withdrawal agreement and will look similar to Australia's. Again, they're like yeah. constantly referring to these. To, to like the these third countries. Yeah. I mean, that's what the UK will be after it leaves the EU. It will have officially like third country status. But yeah. there is something about the backstop, the, the the basic situation being that of Australia. Because yeah. again, the Australian treaties are like, it's not even one agreement. It's a series of different agreements negotiated mm-hmm. over like fucking 30, 40 years mm-hmm. that have built up over time. The idea that you could just rest back on Australia... 
it's the same thing as the way that they've been saying we'll solve immigration by saying we'll have a points-based Australia-style immigration thing. Yeah. Because people hear that. People don't hear the points-based. People don't hear any of the mechanisms. People hear Australia. And, and they, they think, think white Australia policy. White Australia and largely sunny fun times. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's no other explanation yeah. for um, like the rights over-reliance on naming other countries yeah. as like ideal situations for the yeah. UK to be in mentioning mentioning Australia because then people think of um, home and away and neighbours yes mentioning Canada because everyone loved you self yeah everyone gets a dog mm. and they think oh they're not doing too bad we'll be like that and it's like yeah. Australia has a shitload of minerals Canada has a shitload of oil you're fucking dreaming yeah like I don't know what you expect this to be but that's that's the that's the the tactic that they use it seems they just refer back Don't to... Don't you understand? Them. They're always going to want to work with us because no one's vulture capitalists are as vultury as us. <laughs> um, so yeah, essentially the position of Boris, the Boris Johnson government, is mm. that we will have a Canada agreement. Like, mm-hmm. you remember all that Canada plus plus shit? Yeah. Oh yeah, we're going to have that. Yeah. We're just going for that. All of that talk about like, hard, like it's going to be hard Brexit. They're going to keep it on the table as like some kind of brinksmanship. Mm-hmm. But essentially still just trying to sell that that same agreement, yeah, which strikes me as like, yeah, they they understand that the only real threat that's coming to them is from uh, the betrayal narrative. Yeah. So you have Canada, you have a Canada style agra- arrangement as a good thing, and then you cut out a couple of the uh, the cultural cultural war flashpoints that you can always bring back mm-hmm. because you'll be negotiating every other fucking year yeah. about all of the things that the cult cultural things I think fisheries is like 0.4% oh yeah that the, count, um, it 100% counts but, it, but culturally it has been inflated to mean a whole lot not only for Britain's like maritime heritage but also the forgotten working class yeah. you know, places like Grimsby and, and uh, places like that is this new red wall, uh, new, yeah. new blue wall that the Tories have just won? Yeah, that's that's largely uh, the the kind of tone of most of this uh, most of this arrangement. Again, not going to go through all of it. Just got a couple more points. Yeah. about interesting things. Um, it states very clearly in the introduction that the British government will, uh, like Britain, will be leaving the customs union and single market. Um, every single section on like regulatory alignment mm-hmm. um and what used to be called harmonization of like products and and like health certificates safety certificates food yeah. standards stuff like that uh all of it says something like mutual recognition of standards and developing existing agreements it should establish a framework for either party to request that the other consider its technical regulation to be equivalent to its own regulation mm-hmm. like that's on that's on everything that's on financial services yeah. food they use that same language all the way through um, which to me, that sounds like kind of like what a customs union does without, without actually calling it. calling it that. Yeah, and like that's going to be a big flashpoint because the whole point of the customs union was not to like make things simpler; it was to provide a huge internal market for otherwise uncompetitive European firms. Yeah, and provide like a cocoon for European goods. Mm. That's that's what it was there for. If the British government kind of think that this was just like a nice thing that the EU was doing mm. for everybody, oh, we can all agree on things. And mm. it's like, no, it was a harsh capitalist tactic in a world of 
larger hegemons of the yeah. Soviet Union in the US. Like I don't I don't know what you're thinking by that. Um yeah, the EU have already um rebuffed the UK on that. Um the EU Commission President um, Ursula von der Leyen said it will be important that the UK makes up its mind the closer they want to have access to the single market the more they have to play by the rules that are the rules of the single market if this is not the UK's choice then of course they will be more distant and it will be more difficult for the UK to access the single market um, yeah the EU do that thing where they publicly brief on it, which sounds like they're being very open but actually it's just a basic attack yeah. Saying we're bigger than you, they did it to Greece. They yeah. constantly like uh, leaked to the press and briefed the mm-hmm. the press in Germany specifically to turn public opinion against against like Greece and kind mm-hmm. of encourage austerity to you know like make up for all the mistakes Greece has made and yeah. all that kind of shit. You know, it's a weird thing like that the British seem to think that we're different. Mm-hmm. There's that constant exceptionalism thing, but you just have to watch Eurovision to see how much they all despise us. That's a weird. It won't a... take much to turn everyone against us because we've been doing that ourselves. I mean, since it, it is an imperial. It's like a since I guess, we decided to not learn French. I guess it's like an imperial kind of exceptionalism. Yeah. In in a way that like Europe after the war, Europe was the one that was destroyed, and Britain was the one that like stood tall, even yeah. though you know it lost all the empire and lost yeah. all of its. Um, lost all of its prestige and and power and everything and and yeah that seems to have persisted bizarrely to the year of our law 2020 mm-hmm. you know um yeah there's a whole section on um banking very much making sure that uh the banking sector continues to the finance sector continues to operate the way it should yeah uh, there's one where it says uh, we need to make sure that uh, senior management and boards of directors uh to uh are not prevented from having restrictions on residency and nationality for senior personnel. Um, and they reckon that they'll have equivalency laws, like basically we need to put the same laws in British language rather than EU language yeah. and have those standards harmonised by June 2020. That's like the the British government has been, cut, like Gove and, and Boris have been constantly putting out stuff about like, oh yeah, all the all the major agreements will be done by like June. Yeah. Um, if it's not done by October, we'll start um, like preparing for a no deal. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just going to happen again. Why is this happening? What did we do to deserve to be trapped in this time spiral? Oh wait, no, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> um, but if you just voted Lib Dem, Brexit would have been stopped now. Did Adelina uh, K sing those songs for nothing, Adam? Was it for naught? Um, Was it for naught? Yeah, safeguards for um, capital movements, so mm-hmm. nothing changing there. Uh, domestic regulation says, like, while respecting the party's right to regulate, the agreement should reduce practical impediments to the ability of foreign service suppliers to compete on equal terms with their domestic counterparts, which sounds like no advantage to national industries either. Yeah. Like, that sounds like, oh no, it's going to be exactly the same. You're still going to be competing with, like, um, uh, international capital. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, competition policy, state-owned enterprise. Um, the U- the agreement should ensure that the UK and EU state-owned enterprises operate in a fair and transparent manner and do not discriminate against businesses in the other party while buying and selling on commercial markets. Uh, it looks like they're building in exemptions for big private companies while ensuring that state-owned industries don't take like uh, have to compete against those. <laughs> Like no, you know, there's the out. There's also with the competition policy thing, 
not being adjudicated suggests that they would like an out if they really, really want a big company to merge and dominate a sector and dominate yeah. the market, like monopolize it. Yeah. They would like an out for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, it sounds like they want a couple, like quite a lot of li- abilities to have um, the option to have little outs for a lot of things. Because, like, you know, with like mm. having almost a common market, but we're not calling mm. it a common market, um, the whole point would be to then have one thing that they can point at and say, well, we wouldn't have been able to have this yeah. without the common market. Yeah. And then they'll point at that constantly while, I don't know what it'll be, it'll probably be, it'll probably be some Jam. disgusting American meat. Yeah. It's like, finally, we're able to get hold of chlorinated chicken. Yeah. Or like, Yay. look, we can... Actually, I was about to say, like, look, we can actually have proper Canadian poutine now, and actually that'd be too good. Yeah. <laughs> that would be too tempting for you to become a Brexiter. Yeah. Become. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, there's a couple of uh, like little spite um, provisions in there. Nice. The, Br- the British one has, um, the UK will consider options for participation in elements of Erasmus Plus on a time-limited basis, provided the terms are in the UK's interests. That is separate from a whole, in a whole section on mm. EU like cross-border programmes. Mm-hmm. Um, they specifically talk about Erasmus in more negative, restrictive terms than the other ones. It's a university thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's the thing that all of the liberal academics got really worked up about on yeah. Twitter when it when it's it was under threat. Yeah. So again, it's like a little a little dig, a little anti remainer dig in there. Um the EU have a little spike one as well. Uh the parties should consistent with union rules address issues relating to the return or restitution of unlawfully removed <laughs> cultural objects to oh, their countries a, of this origin. This is the sweet Greek one, wasn't it? Yeah, it's the, the old, the, the old Greeks... marbles one. The Greeks saying that they'll veto anything unless they veto everything until they get their marbles back. Yeah. Um, which they should. Um I think we said it on a previous episode, like everyone should like everyone should insist on the first step of any trade deal with Britain involves us giving shit back. Mm-hmm. Um take back like the British Museum, take all of it back. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think what they couldn't have. Um no one, there were the, there's some like Roman coins and shit. In there. Yeah, there's like yeah, some, Roman stuff. And yeah, um, and like the Sutton Who stuff. I don't think you can take that stuff. Yeah, East Anglia secede, <laughs> and as the basis for a trade treaty, want to take back that Sutton Who. No, helmet. I meant the Vikings. That Sutton Who helmet that's on everything. Yeah. Um, Actually, yeah, that'd be Denmark, wouldn't it? Yeah, because it's Saxon. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the the coolest figure there is um Figgy's Figgy's Black Mirror anyway. Oh, John, uh, John, John D's Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Yeah, that yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, but um, yeah, everyone should. They just take take it all back. Go on, do it because it'd be really funny. <laughs> I don't think you understand that. It's like do it. I don't think you understand how much I hate this country and how many people I want to see cry. <laughs> um, the last bit I'm just going to talk about here is uh, there's a bit on in the law enforcement section on mm-hmm. human rights. Mm-hmm. Cooperation will be underpinned by the importance attached by the UK and the EU to safeguarding human rights, the rule of law, and high standards of data protection. Mm-hmm. The agreement should not specify how the UK or the EU member states should protect and enforce human rights and the rule of law within their own autonomous legal systems. The agreement should include a clause that allows either party to suspend or terminate some or all of the agreement to enable either the UK or the EU to decide um, where to, where it is in the interests of the UK or the EU to do so. Now, that's specifically in the section on human rights. Mm. That you can't... Um, again, it's that court of justice thing. It's mm-hmm. 
human rights allow burglars to, to stay out of prison. Yeah, because of their cat. Because of their cat. And you can't deport foreign criminals. Mm-hmm. So we should be able to walk away from human rights obligations and not be shouted at because we enforce it differently. Yeah. <laughs> In quote marks. It's oh, it's a bit like sinister, really. It's a bit weird. Well, no but, shit. <laughs> that they're sinister. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and that's the kind of that's the kind of tone of it. You don't really need to read all of it. It's largely yeah, no, this will be this will be the same. Yeah, this will, this will be basically the same. Um, publicly, the UK government haven't said have said that they won't yeah extend the transition period. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be a meeting in June to where that like both sides will come out and say we've agreed on the important things mm-hmm. or we haven't. Um, Smoke which... above Strasbourg turns red, white, and blue, <laughs> <laughs> and yellow. Yellow <laughs> for, the, for the EU stars flags. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if they come out of that and it's they haven't agreed, then the will the latter half of this year will be fucking no deal preparation yeah. again. You remember? Do you remember back in the day in 2019 <laughs> when we did all the new de- no up. deal stuff? Well, where they had like parking yeah. lorries up at Do you remember that, that airport in Kent. <laughs> Do you remember Operation Stack, was it? Yeah. The one where they pile all the yeah. lorries in Kent? Do you want that again? Do you want to have that again? I do, actually. Do you want to hear from every penny-ante-fucking local bureaucrat about how difficult it's going to be with a no-deal Brexit? I do, actually. I want to hear, I want to hear more voices from parish councils. <laughs> um, when we leave, like, if we ever leave, yeah. do the EU ceremoniously take the star off the EU flag and give it back to us? <laughs> Do they like deliver it That's to us? A like, good point. is it going to be like a ceremony where they or where they cut it out, or does like Nigel Farage come up? Does he get to leap on it and rip it out with his teeth? <laughs> Which, to be fair, is all he's ever wanted. No, he, what he does is he gets a rapier from okay. the last man he defeated in a duel. He's never defeated anyone in a fucking duel. And he pierces the EU flag from behind, ah. and then the, the, the star comes off on the rapier, and then he hands it to the queen. Okay, like that. But he's never won a duel. It's weird how I've conceptualised this as like those EU stars are just like felt. So- <laughs> <laughs> They're just like felt on, on, on a blue background. You can just yeah. peel them off. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, yeah. Uh, <sighs> Boris is going to go for a Canada style deal and mm-hmm. all the people who said that no one, like we can't have a Canada style deal, it's impossible. Say it's fine. It's terrible. Uh, but they're not going to say anything. No. The best thing is that the press obviously is completely cowed now. It's lost mm-hmm. pretty much even its like remnant of guild independence mm-hmm. and its self-respect. So, and also they can't resist the constant negotiation chatter stuff yeah. about like red lines drawn, stalemate. You guarantee that like every single talks went long into the night. Yeah. Test of wills. They're probably really excited about that. That's like that's like a section every year where they don't have to think about the news. Think how many clocks they can put ticking down <laughs> on the bottom of a news a twenty four hour news channel. Fish clock. It's fish debate. Everyone knows. Oh yeah. How good, good one, is that yeah. going to be? You know, like it's like different times of the year. You know, different things. Like you know, Christmas. You know, December. It's Christmas. Yeah. And it's start of January. You get Wrestle Kingdom, and then you know February. Everyone gets around because that's fish debate time of the year. And then you know that keeps you going until tax yeah. time. <laughs> there's there's going to be no forensic like analysis oh, of any of this shit. We're just going to keep going over on it because it's t- far too tempting, in a libidinal and a political sense, mm-hmm. to keep edging it. 
yeah. to just keep edging Brexit ultimatum, time is ticking down, all that kind of shit. They'll love it as well because um, they can constantly say, like, if the Labour Party... Well, they'll just be able to constantly say the Labour Party just to... They love Europe too much. Yeah. Um, they love Europe too much or don't love it enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll replay... I mean, there will be at least... Maybe we'll break out of it. Mm. It depends on who's Labour leader. Actually, it might not depend on who's Labour leader. Because someone's going to be Labour leader and he's going to be talking about rejoin by June. You know how, By July. Yeah. By July, he's going to be talking about rejoin. He's going to say, it's too dangerous to go for a hard Brexit. We should cancel Brexit. He is going to say that in July or August of this year. Yeah, definitely. And then I'm going to be... And then he's out. going to backtrack it. He's going to backtrack at the same oh, time. God. He's 100% going to backtrack at the same time. Because do you remember all of 2016... And how we replayed it in 2017, the the news cycle of terrorist Corbyn, boring Corbyn, uh, old man Corbyn, yeah. aggressive Corbyn. And and there were other things that were happening yeah. that made it feel like we were just treading water and reliving the same year over and over again. 2016, we're going to do that with 2019. So it's going to be split into two of absolutely no news about everything, then a huge rush, and then no deal preparation. We're going to do that at least once again. And with this annual haggle, who knows? We could end up doing it again. It's there's. I was listening to. Um, uh, I just finished listening to an audio book of um, Jan Morris's um, like history of the British Empire. Okay. It's called the Trumpets. Farewell, the Trumpets. Okay. Um, where she talks about decolonization. It's quite an old book, but it's quite interesting. It's a bit more like flowery and and like um, uh, character based almost, mm. rather than like a, a dry history. Um, she talks about like the decolonization of India and it really sounded like very, very similar and very, very familiar mm. having lived through this whole Brexit process. Um, when Mountbatten uh, was appointed Viceroy of India in, I think it was, yeah, in, in February 1947, he was told by the Foreign Office, by the India Office, that he had until uh, June 1948 to accomplish Indian independence, right? Mm -hmm. Work everything out and complete everything and withdraw British troops. Um, He, being a swashbuckler and full of vim and vigour, decided, fuck... Not uh, completely bald yet, (laughs) is the translation there when it comes to royals. Um, So he had until June uh, uh, 1948. He decided to bring it forward by 10 months. Right okay. to August 1947, and yeah. said, "We're leaving on that date, no matter what." Yeah, and what that did was, it means hastily, hastily drawn national boundaries. Mm-hmm. It means poorly officiated withdrawal techniques. <laughs> it meant partition, where a million people died because nobody knew who, what side of the border anybody should be on, mm-hmm. in order to divide between Pakistan and India. And the interesting facet about it is, he kept. So he got he famously got like a, just some random civil servant who'd never been to India to draw up the border. Yeah. Um, had no appreciation of the geography, of the demographics of, mm-hmm. of that area at all, and was largely responsible for the, the massacres that followed, right? He Mountbatten kept the uh, actual final border secret until two days after independence. Because <laughs> he didn't Enjoy your independence. This is what you're independent. <laughs> this is what your country looks like now. <laughs> because he didn't want the pageantry and the festivity to be ruined. 
of the British giving India democracy yeah. and their freedom to be marred by political things. As a result, a million people died. And I think like there is there is something I've said before, like how the PR kind of nature of politic of political uh, of high politics now has kind of brainwashed a lot of people yeah. that they kind of want to be the person on the coin yeah. or they want to be the person saying like proclaiming Independence Day or shit like that yeah. without thinking of the actual politics that has to go into like mm-hmm. that's kind of aestheticization of politics. But also like yeah, it, it, I think they understood what I think they understood that way of selling it to the British people that like oh no we're giving you your independence we're the decolonised ones now we're the ones who are supposed to be gaining our yeah. independence and they're not gonna they're not gonna tell you about it they're no. really just gonna keep it all hidden yeah um, yeah it seems like the gift the Tories are gonna give themselves with this is yeah this yearly haggle where they can blame the EU every time something goes wrong Nothing different from yeah. the last four Criticize years. Criticise the opposition bench for not being hard enough. Um, they'll be able to advance a free market project um, while at the same time being able to call on a sort of patriotic boosterism. You know, mm. like, buy British, stop talking down Britain, stop talking down our chances, our chances. Mm-hmm. Um, because they'll have this constant competitive tussle, political tussle every year with faceless bureaucracy. Um, Jesus, if you thought the press was anti-EU before... I mean, it would almost be admirable. They're engineering a way to have Brexit and have the flashpoints, the scapegoats, and the pattern of the last 40 years of right-wing opinion, but specifically the last four years of right-wing opinion, they're going to enable that for, for decades. That's their idea. And they can do anything. They can be as free market as they yeah. want. They can be as nationalist and populist as they want. They might even be interventionist mm-hmm. because that's not what's important to them. Mm-hmm. It's what's important is enabling the capitalist class to pursue profit, to pursue yeah. it's it, the national bourgeoisie to pursue pursue its own interests. Um, yeah, they'll be able to mobilize populist sentiment whenever they want to a profoundly bourgeois private end. That's perfect, perfect Toryism. If you want a positive note, though, right? Oil prices did just plunge twenty percent, and Italy quarantined itself. <laughs> um, I mean, loads of countries. Nothing, are doing nothing. Now. They're planning this. Nothing, nothing lasts a decade anymore. No, no, no status quo lasts a decade anymore. No. They've just had a huge rebellion against um, Huawei. Uh, they didn't lose, though. They didn't lose, but yeah, they had they, tw- yeah, they but had twenty six out of an eighty majority. It's not it's not enough, but it's not nothing. Yeah, no. Do you know why? Do you know why that happened though? Mm. Because they had an eighty majority that they were able to. You're able to have some someone like who is it? Is it? I imagine was he in Duncan Smith, one of the rebels? You I get to think, yeah. you get they they are allowed that because of the massive majority they're allowed to be like look at me I'm being oh, a rebel without actually actually causing yeah. any problems because that, that also that's literally like you've just gone through like the like the highlights of the withdrawal agreement that's what Tories love to do yeah it's I mean that's the only thing I can think of is if you're engineering it for the next decade like mm-hmm. with coronavirus has been on the news for two weeks. We had a huge stock market crash and... It won't stop raining. Um, it won't stop raining. Um, I mean, when was the last time this particular society went 20 years without some kind of epoch shift? 
gen to be generous, they only barely survived the wave of left-wing oppositional politics raised by austerity. Mm -hmm. The next wave, who knows? Mm. I mean, I don't think history just lets you win like that. Uh, that's us for this week. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. Follow me at BM Bergamo. Follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Fighting am the least about the fighting game.